We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Zone Coverage Podcast Network. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by ZoneCoverage.com and the Zone Coverage Podcast Network. After a brief rain delay, Britt Robson, we, uh, <laughs> we, we made it here. Charlie Johnson is uh, sitting out this episode with planned rest. Um, no, he had to go home sick. So it's just the two of us. You're in Charlie's role, whatever. Right. We're, 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 doing, we're doing a podcast. I, I don't know the last time I recorded something that was after a Timberwolves win. Aha! Uh-huh. Right, like it's yeah. been eighteen. Well, there haven't been, you know, they're seven and thirty-two since December first. Seven and thirty, but they also lost before Miami. The Miami win, they'd lost eighteen of their previous nineteen. Right. And that's what I was thinking. I was thinking that was a Saturday game in L.A. I think they then proceeded to lose again before I did another whatever. Yeah, that, well, that, they that, had, it's all about they me, had a but. period where they won five out of eight in that period of time. So. In that seven and thirty-two period, they were five and three, which means on either side uh-huh. of that, they were bad. two and twenty-nine. You remember when you wrote something where you were like you were giving them praise and kind of you kind of called the demise. Uh, well, I I called. I said goodbye, winning record. I didn't say goodbye <laughs> stratosphere. I mean, you know, see you later yeah. uh, season or see you later ninety-five percent of the team. Right. You know. Um, you know, the way this year has moved yeah. is just uh, well, holistically it, bizarre. You know, having covered the team since 90, 1990, I've seen a lot of pratfalls, and mm-hmm. I, I've seen them for different reasons. Uh, this, you know, they're, they're going to wind up between 20 and 30 wins, you know, wherever that 
Nexus is 30, I think, would be enormously uh, yeah, No way. That's impossible. They're well, at they have 17 now, right. Yeah. And then, what do they have? 28 to go. So, mm. but the point is, um, two max players and, and that amount is, you know, you have to be able to pivot. And to give Rosas credit. For sure. He pivoted hard at the trade deadline. He got rid of their three worst contracts. Um, I think... He bought some flexibility with those contracts gone. I, I, you know, everybody says Russell's the same amount of money, you know, so on and so right. forth. Jang and Johnson, you know, a push there money-wise. But in both cases, to get a point guard rather than a wing mm-hmm. is enormous flexibility in the future. To get a guy who can flex between the three, four, and five instead of a standard five when you don't even want to play one five really as a five, it seems, sometimes right. – that's flexibility. Um, and then to get a bunch of guys who you're going to have first pass on as restricted free agents, you know, two guys who, you know, look like they're decent players. Beasley certainly looks like a keeper. And Wancho, um, if he comes in low enough, the market is, is, is tepid on him, might be, might be a good player as well. So but, yeah, I think that's kind of the, the thing is we, you make all these moves and you're ready for – you're ready oh, to they, see what happens. Yeah, yeah, you're ready to see what happens. You're more than a third of the year left. And, I mean, you know, that's kind of where we were left at, at the All-Star break. And, you right. know, Cat misses the game. And, you know, you're still thinking, you got two weeks off. We're going to, once they come back, we're going to get 29 games, not only of Cat and D'Lo, but of the of the whole bunch. And it's just, I mean, it's it's unfortunate. I believe, I mean, Cat's injury is real. I'm not, I'm not questioning that. It's just kind of unfortunate, I think, for a fan or for us who, you know, we want right. to talk about the basketball. Um, it's unfortunate that the this final third of the season has shifted from, um, you know, like assessment to development. Right. And, I mean, I, I just got through saying I've covered this team since 1990. Rosas is being affected by that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably, it's certainly not his fault, but I've seen a lot of tanking that said it wasn't tanking. Yeah. Uh, so... And this, I wrote, the last column I wrote was talking about the difference between clumsy tanking and artful tanking. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it's important to get the word out there because I think when you are in the position the Timberwolves are, whether it's by design, bad circumstance, whatever, mm-hmm. you have to accept the fact that the parameters change. And the parameters have changed in a way that this team is looking at things through a prism that isn't prioritizing wins. Nobody can tell me that if the Timberwolves had yeah. a, a game to make the playoffs or not make the playoffs uh, tomorrow night, that Cat would be sitting. He'd be playing with that fracture. Because it's his left hand, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm not saying but, he should play now, but what I'm saying is... It's, no, we would be just, both doing the same thing. It makes a difference. Yeah, it, absolutely. And I just think that the, the way you phrase that is is correct. They're not... They're not prioritizing winning. That doesn't mean they're actively seeking losing. And, in and fact, I think, they've put together a roster that wants to win. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got a bunch of G leaguers who are trying to make a niche. Yep. A couple of restricted free agents who mm-hmm. need to prove themselves. James Johnson, who wants to reinvigorate himself as a team elder. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, D'Angelo Russell, who you know has been carped on for not being able to play defense. Whatever. 
Um, Tanking never has ever applied to the players on the roster. They're never like, oh, yeah, we want to lose. Right. Like that, that, that's never how it happens. But I do think sometimes you have soured vets. I've seen Wolves Mm. tanking teams where guys, you know, Kevin Love, there was a period of time where he wanted out. And, you know, he's kind of like he is now in Cleveland. And so... (laughs) You can have that kind of tanking, or you can have the kind of tanking where you tell your star, Kevin Garnett, he has to sit for the next six games. And while you play Mark Madsen over him, who's shooting threes. Exactly. That, that is... That besmirches that is, the integrity of the game. And it, absolutely, which is something so completely different than what this Timberwolves team is doing. Exactly. But, we, but on both of those, they're both labeled maybe lazily, as tanking. Which is why I wanted the right to call him. I wrote to distinguish between the two. I want to say that they're, they're not embarrassing themselves, but I also want to say, let's not kid ourselves about what they are doing. Mm-hmm. They're not doing everything they possibly can to win because that actually wouldn't be smart. Yeah. They are working with the pieces they have to try to figure out things um, and by the way, if they don't work great, it's not terrible because they're going to have a better draft pick with a guy who apparently, Culver notwithstanding, knows his development and his talent and so on and so forth. Yeah, so, I mean, I, 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 have no, I have no problem with it. I don't think anyone... A lot of people on my Twitter feed when I said something about, you know, uh, Wolves fans are being asked to emotionally... Mm-hmm. And uh, financially invest in a team that's tanking with a third of the season left. And I would say at least half of the responses I got were from people going, good. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm glad that, you know, we think that this guy knows what he's doing and we'll be able to turn it around with this. Um, but it had to be said that way because there are people who feel bushwhacked, yeah. you know, and the, well, it's always going to be a risk. I mean, this just came out about an hour before you came over here, so I'm assuming you don't I know. Don't, nope. The, the NBA is essentially labeled that as tanking. They fined the Timberwolves $25,000 for, for holding out D'Angelo Russell from the game in Denver. Aha. Uh-huh. Um, because he wasn't, I mean, that's what the, the statement from the league was that, you know, for holding out a player that wasn't hurt. Um, so it's, it's all messy. Yeah. I mean, there, there, there's, all these, there's right. all these different layers to it. It doesn't. And even just because the league threw a fine at them, it doesn't, it doesn't make that wrong either. Because, right. because I do think the Timberwolves know what they were, are $25, doing. Twenty-five thousand dollars. Yeah, which is so. Nothing. In other words, it's 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 not even it's not a slap on the wrist. It's almost like a pinky finger on yeah. the uh, temple or something. It, it's it's <laughs> it's not. I mean, it's it's nothing. But it, it does carry. It, I mean, it makes us talk about this here, right? You right. know, and, and it's what people right. are, are, are seeing. It ratifies that. the idea that you shouldn't do this. Yes, exactly. That's a good way. That's a good way to put it. And I think, I think Gerson probably knew that was coming, and that's why last night he, you know, he tweeted out, "Tank that," and <laughs> um, you know, so it's all. <laughs> I mean, it's it, it's all so it's and all good so for him. silly. You know, yeah. I mean, uh, let's let's depart from this for just a second yeah. and talk about last night. What a game. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, man. I mean, you know, it was... Uh, they could not have won that game if they didn't want it so much more than Miami. Mm-hmm. I mean... Which is a testament to everyone on the team and to Ryan. Right. Well, Ryan, probably his finest hour. Easily. Putting 
McLaughlin in the game beside D'Angelo Russell and then putting the ball in his hands the final two possessions. I mean, it was it was also that takes some stones. And it was a specific adjustment, too, because Russell was rolling. Right. Right. And then they start throwing two bodies at him. Right. And and so, you know, if there's if there has been something I've been I've ripped on Ryan on this year, it's been his uh, slowness to adjust. Uh huh. And like one main thing, which I, is legitimate. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I don't even think that's. That's not a total incrimination of him either. But like one example I would say is whenever the Wolves, a team randomly throws a zone at him, it takes him about three or four possessions to figure out like, what the hell are we doing against this zone? Right. And I think that's partially coaching. You know, it's a, it, you need a quick adjustment right there to, to say, this is what we're doing. This is what we're getting into. And I think, you know, if we say Rick Carlisle is the gold standard, he gets his team into effectively attack that zone right away. Right. And, and, you know, for Ryan, I think that's good recognition and his whole staff, you know, to, to recognize we need, we need D'Angelo to be free or we need to attack from, you know, from right. the wing. So to go to Jordan, um, which sounds silly as a two-way player, but I mean, that was a, that was a smart move and it was a bold move given that you go McLaughlin, who is not even the five ten he's listed at, you know, D'Lo, <laughs> I don't think he's the six, four he's listed at right. a Kogi six, four Beasley six, four and Wancho six, nine. I mean, that is an extremely, extremely small group. And yeah, stones. I mean, to, to throw that out there, because, you know, if that, you know, that snaps back in his face, and it's not the end of the world, but it, it's a little, bit, a little bit more egg on his face, you know? And then to have McLaughlin basically make the decision, hey, the first option is covered. I'm going to the cup. That. <laughs> That kid, man, is bold. He he really is. He is. He's fearless going to the rim, and he has been all year. Yeah, he, he, he really has. And in summer league, it, it was the the same thing too. Like he, um, he, he really knows who he is. You know, we always like try and put like the the best teams are the ones who like have an identity and right. everyone knows what it is. Right. He's like the the micro version of that, or he's the player of it. He, I, I know what my identity is. I know what I have to do to give it my size to have any sort of success. And he's completely ran with that this year. Right. Well, I mean, the two things I've said on this podcast that I was going to write, one was when I said I was going to write this big David Vantable story that didn't come out for like a month <laughs> after that. Yeah, yeah McLaughlin. And, uh, I think your McLaughlin love would have looked so I much better. I made huge uh, <laughs> apology about McLaughlin while we were on the yeah. podcast. And I said... Whenever I've ripped somebody as bad as I have, you know, it, I owe it to somebody to do yeah. something about it. And then one thing led to another and, you know, all these trades happened. And then oh, yeah. the, I was going to write about him that one night and then John decided he wanted to write that day. And so I waited a day and the day in between McLaughlin had his worst game of the season. <laughs> and so did James Johnson was the other guy. I wanted yeah. to write a role player story, mm-hmm. which I think I could probably still do and might. But it's just ironic that... Uh, <laughs> he still, you know, that was a month ago, and it, the story is as valuable now as it was a month ago. Absolutely. It was, I, I wrote uh, a, a story earlier this week on, on Keelan Martin. I talked to Brian yeah. Gates, and, uh, you know, I was asking more, I only used the quotes about Keelan because it was a story about Keelan, right. um, but he, could, it was, he was equally enlightening and, you know, passionately positive about about Jordan and not just because you know he's defend it, it didn't feel like I'm just defending my guy like Gates has coached in the G League before and he, he was kind of like listening off some of that stuff to me he's like you know there's a there's a lot you, you kind of like all your guys right when you're when you're coaching those type of players he's like 
Keelan and Jordan are just different. It's like they're just they're just they're just different guys, and and you can just feel it. He's like you can feel it when they're they don't really often practice with the team, but he goes when they practice with the team, you feel it. It's completely different, and it's he said he's like that's a hundred percent Keelan, and and that's just you know another. I mean, testament to those guys. I guess we can, you know, extrapolate that testament out to Gerson and right. John Luca. They find those folks. Yeah, but it's uh, it, it's good that in in what is a a season that has been lost in many ways. Yes. To find something like that, and and you know, it might be meaningful. Like what? And I'm not totally sold that Jordan McLaughlin is like a definite backup point guard in the league. But say he is. Mm-hmm. Say, say he actually is, and you're able to extend him some sort of like one of those Gupta special deals, right, like three sure. years at the minimum, non-guaranteed, yeah. all that. If you've locked in a, a solid backup point guard to DeAndre Russell at that number for the next three years, that's massive. And that, a stretch five. And a stretch five. And perhaps an interesting swingman who right now I think is probably should be better known for his defense than his shooting, even though he is, I'm Jaylen? talking Keelan now. Oh, Keelan. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, it's supposed yeah. to be like this knockdown yeah. three point shooter. You know, mm-hmm. that's what the buzz was when he came in. I've been more impressed with, he knows what he does wrong when he does something wrong on defense. Mm-hmm. You can just see he's one of those guys yeah. that is in the middle of having conversations with himself throughout the game. <laughs> but, um, I like his instincts. I like when he, um, you know, we, we rip Cat a lot. And one of the reasons we rip Cat is because he doesn't know what he does wrong. So he gets outraged because he thinks he he's... gets outwardly outraged. He at, thinks he's being robbed or, yeah, yeah, yeah. when he's not being robbed. Mm-hmm. And, and it's refreshing to see a guy, a young guy, um, understand what he did wrong and just blot everything else out and go, okay, I'm not going to, I'm going to try not to do that wrong again. You know, that kind of self-improvement happening right in the moment. Um, that's what impressed me about Keelan. And so those three guys, I would rate them right now. Uh, I probably would have rated Keelan first until last night. And of course, I mean, that was a, that was a pretty phenomenal uh, quarter by McLaughlin, I would probably rate those two guys as co co assets to have yeah, rookie MVP. Nas a distant third, and then you know um, I guess Noel somewhere along the line. But um, what about Jared Culver? Well, I mean Culver is. I mean they're, they're part the of the prize. they're all part of the rookie class. Yeah, that, I guess okay. I, if we're looking right, at it I in that vein, yeah. I see what you mean. Um, I guess what I'm trying to say is it's. Even if Culver hasn't been um, valuable, right? You still have a pretty good rookie class. Oh yeah. If you're able to, if you are able to lock up Nas, Keelan, and Jordan, and right. you know, and you have not locked up Nas. I mean, you can't yeah. unlock Nas unless you want to. Exactly. So, and and Nas, I mean, it's literally nine hundred thousand dollars. Exactly. That, that's what it, you know. That's what his salary is, and, and it's so, six million dollars max. <laughs> for over the four years uh, total. Yeah, exactly. And then, so, so here, like it's even my point I'm trying to get to is if you lock up all, all three of those guys on those minimum, those super minimum deals for four years, it's even better than a rookie scale contract. Right. Like you said, Nas Reed, if he plays all four years and they guaranteed all four of those years, it's $6 million total. Right. Well, that's what Jared Culver's making just this year. Or and it extends. to use another example, um, What's Tyus Jones being paid? Like eight or nine, yeah. So 
everybody they signed. I mean, right now, is Tyus Jones and J-Mac, is there $7 million worth of difference between them? No. No way. Maybe a million or maybe none, you know? I mean, that's the thing. I haven't seen enough of Tyus, I'm sure. I've actually, that's behind, I think Memphis and Oklahoma City are the two other NBA teams I've watched the most of this year. And I mean, I was and am, I guess, still kind of a pro Tyus guy, but he Uh has not been, he's certainly not been a guy worth eight or $9 million for that team this year because he's not- At least not on the court. You never know in the locker room. That's true. That's a a good point. But But, I mean- But I know what you're saying. To to the point, um, again- one of the things Rosas is doing this year is flexible. He wants flexibility. Tyus does not give you flexibility. If you're paying a guy yep. $8 million to be your backup point guard, all right, he's your backup point guard, but he better be getting 20 minutes a night or 15 good minutes a night. Whereas if you want to give Jordan McLaughlin 30 minutes a night or five minutes a night, yeah. you can do it. And, and the salary is justified. Yeah, I mean, I think what Rosas wanted with Tyus was he wanted to give him the Jake Lehman contract, which is like 3 million. Ooh, yeah. I mean, no, no, that's what right. I mean. I know. That, and that's, that's chicken what feed I think for somebody like Tyus. John or somebody reported that was the number that, that they was about like three or four mil a year. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that just kind of, you know, shows Rosas cards of, yeah, the right. Flexibility is the ultimate kind of priority here. Right. And I do, I do wonder that, um, I think everyone's kind of like, pining for McLaughlin and Martin to get that deal. But at, at some point too, there's a finite amount of roster spots. Yeah. So, so I think the reason we haven't seen that yet and it might not happen is they still want maximum flexibility, the maximum right. amount of roster spots, even if it's not salary committed. Um, I don't know. I would think at least we'll, we'll on the other hand yeah. though, I think one of the things that maybe sweetened the Denver deal was having a KBD on one of those Gupta specials, even though Gupta wasn't around yet. Vanderbilt's on one too. It was a Gupta for Gupta. Ah, okay, interesting. So that's why, because see, boy, you talk about raw. Anyway, uh, that that is um, um, <laughs> phone a, buzz. A flexibility issue is you could still sign those guys. I think. And if you wanted to get rid of them, it would not be hard. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's the issue right now, why they haven't been signed, is that the Wolves are in the They're luxury tax. They're already over the cap. Exactly. So, so I think, I mean. They got to do this every What? How many thing? more days do we have? Today's the 27th. March 1st is the deadline for a player to be bought out if they want to be eligible to go to a playoff contender. So if you talk about Evan, if Evan Turner is going to get bought out, it's, you know, going to be this weekend. Um, and same goes well, for he's Alan Crabb. Well, he's got to find or, a team, right? Exactly. That, that's, what the, that's, you know, that's what the holdup is. But deadlines force activity, you know, and that's right. functionally the buyout deadline is March 1st. Yeah, I just, I'm, I'm trying to think of the Who best place for him to land. Yeah, I mean. Maybe now Philly. No what about ben Boston? Simmons. What about Boston? I mean, he's got. Yeah, I mean, depending on Kemba. I mean, I actually see the best way for him to go is to be a backup point guard. Yeah. I mean. In the playoffs, with that slow pace, you can probably do it. Like Philly, if he does the Ben Simmons role, I guess is what I'm saying. Mm. You know, if, if he's a ball handler, but isn't necessarily a point guard. I wonder, I just wonder, uh, 
what his perception is in Philly. He was the number two overall pick for oh, them. Oh, right, right. It'd be kind of like the Wolves being like, well, you know, Derek Williams is putting together a pretty interesting <laughs> yeah. career over in Europe. Like, yeah. uh, I, I don't know. So that I think that will will end up rounding out this roster and we'll kind of... Right. We'll, we'll see what it is. But it, it's a, a good problem to have, as they say, right? Right. To, to, have, you know, to have these guys. And as I understand it, they've jumped over and through every single loophole to avoid... Um, to maximize these 45, 45 days. days. Yeah, they're not practicing. I mean, they're basically they're not, just it, playing games it, and hanging out on their own. It was so fun. And me and Chris Hine were in Denver. We went to this like little high school where the team was practicing and Jordan and Keelan are just kind of waiting in the hallway while the team's out there practicing. I mean, it's crazy. It's, it's, a, it's a silly... It's a silly rule. Uh-huh. But that's, that's what the thing Gates said to me too. He goes, hey, if you make a rule and you, you, you hand the rule book over to these front offices, they will... <laughs> mince through that whole thing <laughs> and they will find every single loophole you can and uh, I think these Timberwolves have, have that type of sure. office for sure. Sure they do. Um, in that game and I guess just more big picture is, is D'Angelo Russell. Uh, even though we uh-huh. haven't had Cat, I, I thought that would subtract you know some of our ability to be able to assess him but uh, he's kind of taken over the alpha role here in this Catless time. I think that yeah, I, I think that Beasley is giving him a run for his money there. You're going to be a big Beasley guy. <laughs> I can tell. I mean, no, come on. D, it, this is D'Lo's the guy. D'Lo's the guy. I mean, now Beasley has been, has been On very... On the court, I would say that the fire and also the getting people together in a circle and that kind of stuff, Beasley did some of that last night, too. Sure. I, I think of the Alpha as someone who doesn't listen to if, anyone. <laughs> okay, uh, I, I think that that can. There are different types of alphas, but I. First of all, I'm not going to argue the point that in the pecking order. There you go. That D'Angelo Russell is probably one A right now, and certainly one now that Cat is out. Um, but what I would argue is, if they sign Beasley long term, and if everybody's temperament stays the same, and if Beasley continues to play the way he's playing, that it would not surprise me if the tenor and the identity of the team starts to shift in a Beasley direction. And if James Johnson sticks around, I mean, it was a remarkable thing for the, the Ryan Saunders uh, post game last right. night. Yeah. He basically just came out and said, you know, this guy is like an assistant coach right now. He just like just like Malik Beasley is your type. James Johnson is Ryan Saunders type. Uh huh. Just like Trevion Graham was. Right. And I mean, James Johnson's better. But right. That's uh, Ryan yeah. has a soft spot for that type of guy. And I'm not even saying that's a bad thing. Like, no, no. It's, and, it's why he has been played as much as he has and will continue to be a main and, piece. And I think he really does have. He's more inconsistent on defense than people want to admit. But when he, he, he is doing is. the right thing, he is really effective. It's just that, you know, he, he's an undersized dude, you know. I was looking at it, at just, and obviously all the small sample size caveats go in there, just kind of looking at all the guys sure. on off. And that was kind of what I was thinking, too, was defensively. Like, he's just, he's just kind of inherently erratic as a, as a player, but I think – Broadly positive, yes. James Johnson. That is, um, but it's it's the offense that has really struggled when he's been on the floor. Uh-huh. And to me, 
I think that's, it's kind of by necessity that they have to kind of use him as this point guard sort of thing. Right. But I'm also of the mind that doing that is getting a little cute. Well, not only that, but as a point guard, he's a ball hog. <laughs> yeah, well, because I mean, of his, that. His, his point guard move is to take it coast to coast. See, what, what I, what, and, you know, whatever, point guard, defining right. point guard is right. kind of like defining tanking. It's like, whatever, right? You know, it has its definitions and it doesn't. But what I, what I like about James Johnson is when he kind of takes over the point of the offense and the mid-flow of it. Right. Jordan McLaughlin kind of gets it up and they get into like a weaving action where James Johnson ends up with the ball kind of at the top of the key and is now it's time to make a quick decision. I, I like that. The whole rolling the ball up the floor, kind of isolating as a six, seven, 33 year old. I, I right. you know, I don't love that. And, and also grabbing the rebound. Sometimes he guesses right and senses it right. His instincts are good yeah. that he can go coast to coast and really put pressure on the rim. Yeah. Uh, and, and even if he misses create interesting Kobe assists. Um, <laughs> but, um, sometimes he cannot, right. sometimes he's an old six, seven guy going one on three. And, um, what I've liked about his quote unquote, well, let's just call it ball movement, is that he knows how to keep a rhythm going, sure. uh, which is one of the things that um, there are guys who are links in a chain type ball movers, and then there are guys who are um, weight and dish ball movers. Sure. Jeff Teague was probably the epitome weight and dish guy. Mm -hmm. D'Angelo's got a little of that in him. He is For not sure. a guy who likes to zip things around and be like, uh, you know, stop three in a four-stop play. I mean, not to, to keep lauding uh, Jordan McLaughlin, but he, he can keep the ball moving too. He can be number one or he can be number five. Yep. I mean, he, he just has, you know, he has the, the point guard instinct, which is crazy because um, why I, I didn't see that because I was blind to it because of his size. He had, he has gotten remarkably better, but he had some things I could have seen if I had kept my eyes open and, and wasn't so prejudiced right away against him. You know what? Uh, we're talking about them again, but, but he, he was good in summer league, but at least for me, and like going back and looking at my notes, uh -huh. I mean, it was clearly Nas was number one in summer league. Keelan was number two. And then McLaughlin was like getting the job done, uh -huh. number three. So right. I think that the main point with him is that he's really grown this uh -huh. year and kind of unleashed that confidence. But he was a four-year guy at, at USC. I mean, he's, he's right. played big-time basketball for a long time. He played in the G League last year. Like, and he knows this system, as Ryan has famously said, yep. better than anybody on the team. Yeah, right. Um, which means that... Um, when you half know something, and most of these guys half know things by now after six or seven games, You'd hope. and you have a guy that's 90% or 100% knowing, sure. then all of a sudden your knowledge, you go, oh yeah, you fill in that extra 50% because it's in front of you. <laughs> I mean, it does synergize a team when one guy can lead by example. When, when everyone else has half a clue and, and the one guy has the whole picture, that other half is much easier to fill. But he, he kind of epitomizes that. Where, to get back to Russell, where, where is he you know, on, on that scale? That's a good question. I think that um, 
unfortunately, the most impressive things I think, uh, first of all, everybody probably knows I'm not a D'Angelo Russell guy. I'm warming to him because how are you going to like to keep that like tattooed on you? Or are you going to be like, (laughs) are you you open to the idea? Oh, oh, I'm definitely open. Because I'm in the same boat, but I mean, what, what, the reason I say it is because uh, people are going to go, there he goes again, you know, know, (laughs) and I want to acknowledge my bias going in the, I'm about to damn him with faint praise, I guess is what I'm about to say. The things that have impressed me most are the individual things. Yeah. His ability to shoot rainbows in tight coverage, you know, even if somebody's doubling him or coming to double him, he can he can launch shots that should not be made. And to be able to do that without having a physical body is special. I agree. He has a touch. He doesn't have to see the rim. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's pretty good. The other thing, and it was borne out again last night on the infamous or famous now Butler block, I, he might be better. He's certainly better on ball. Mm-hmm. He's not a uh, – he has bad peripheral vision is what I see again. Right. He reminds me a lot of early Andrew Wiggins in that um, he's he's not bad with somebody right on him, but um, and he's not bad when he knows he has to switch – but if he doesn't know he has to switch and all of a sudden he has to switch, that's really hard for him. And so um, I think that the schemes that we've been talking about uh, in terms of the, the, the change in the way they're running their, their five right now, mm-hmm. um, which has kind of gone the way of Gorgie Jang, um, <laughs> is that uh, the consequence of of having your five involved in switching or even not switching but following the his man out at least to the nail if not the arc is um, there's going to be a lot of you know Clear smalls shots to that are yeah. going to be there that guys are going to have to body up power forwards and centers and everything else and I think they've made a decision that guys like Beasley and Russell will be able to do that as well as they'll be able to chase people on the perimeter. Yeah, I, I, th- I think so too. It's, I mean, I've been pretty to you and to on this podcast, been pretty outward and, you know, questioning yeah. the, the validity or not the validity. The, well, you were the, the first to really, I think not only question the scheme, but have specific reasons why um, you thought it was doomed. And the fact that the team, uh, who knows? I mean, when Cat comes back, they may yeah. revert, but that would be that would be very unrosis like I mean, system is system, and all of a sudden, what you you monkey with the system a little bit when Cat's out, but when he gets back, everything is fine. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a I think that's a big a big question going forward, and maybe let's establish what what's changed. I think most notably in the Dallas game was. Um, or in all these games, basically, Nas if, Nas is, if, if Nas is off the floor, which happens very quickly because right. he gets two fouls right away, because of the scheme, <laughs> because, <laughs> because he's out guarding Chris John Porzingis on the exactly. So, so basically, you take Nas out, the cat proxy, and you're left with a bunch of, you know, and James Johnson, small guys who can do that. Yes, and so they've really embraced switching, right? Which has long been my stance of. Let's see some more of that. Let's right. see both. I, I, you know, I don't think it needs to be black or white, but you know, to to, to counter myself is the, the switching has been really bad. Mm-hmm. Like they haven't been good at it. Uh, 
But I, that, that is such a, a, like a learned behavior. In, in my opinion, it is you need to have such a comfort with, with the players. And it's not just communication. It's sometimes if you have to communicate it, you're too late. It and, needs and, to almost be instinctual. And you heard this when you were out in Denver because everybody was reporting this out of Denver. The communication is terrible. I mean, <laughs> they were blaming everything on bad communication, yeah. which I'm not sure, you, you know, holds water. It's still, it's in playground, people don't know the same scheme, but you know when you have to switch. You <laughs> yeah, know, I mean, yeah. yeah, it's maybe if maybe if you're calling this <laughs> thing red and thing, you're calling this thing black, and they mean the same thing, but you're saying let me let's just like get rid of colors for a week, you know, <laughs> or just, just know that when somebody calls a color, he's probably calling a switch. Yeah. I mean, it isn't really, uh, yeah, it well, isn't it, so screwed up, you know. <laughs> I mean, it just that felt to me like a fig leaf on bad performance. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I would agree. It, it was funny. I, I found myself like tweeting about it, excited, you know, like, oh, yeah, yeah they're doing that. And then, then they come down and James Johnson and D'Angelo Russell bump into each other. And, you know, Tim Hardaway goes to the basket and dunks on Jake Lamb. Right. And you're like, well, that isn't actually working. But I, I want to say that I, I like give them credit for trying, you right. know, and and and, and the it problem could be I had a was sea change. Go ahead. It could be it could be a sea change. The biggest problem I had with the whole quote unquote scheme this year was that it was dogmatic mm-hmm. on both ends and it didn't, it wasn't result oriented at all. It, it, it didn't, it didn't seem to me at least to matter what the, you know, what the, the results were, we're doing this no matter what. And, and now, I mean, they're not doing it no matter what, because real necessity of not having any centers on the team has kind of maybe forced their hand into being super switchy. Well, I do think I, th- I think that they're going to try to see if I th- you're going to see if Ka- you, you're going to you think they're going to try it with cat. I think that and I, maybe this is all a figment of my imagination. I always felt like there was a cat Vanterpool standoff. Vanterpool wanted cat to do things a certain way and cat didn't want to do them that way. Yeah. Or Cat is incapable of doing that in that way, which is more your position. Yes. I think it may be a little bit more stubbornness than that, but maybe not. In any case, I think Cat has won that battle, or at the very least is winning <laughs> that battle. And I'll be very curious to see whether the switching continues and he's out there on the perimeter when he gets back. So it was interesting. When I was in Denver, my plan before I wrote this Keelan story, uh-huh. my, my plan was I was going to write something, and I'm still going to at some point I'll still write it before the year ends. Was just not just comparing the trajectory of where Denver and the Timberwolves have gone since that big game '82. Mm-hmm. I mean that that was kind of going to be my story, but you know specifically now, can the Wolves emulate what what the Nuggets have right. done? And <clears throat> if you if you dig into the Nuggets, what has the biggest change since game '82? is that they've become a top 10 defense in the yes, league after exactly. being a bottom five defense With for a years. a terrible center, theoretically a terrible defensive center. A, a terrible a terrible at the scheme that he was running defensive center. Uh-huh. So that, that was basically going to be my, the thing I was going to dig into because what Mike Malone has said, the change was, is he went to Jokic and he said, what do you want to do ah. defensively? And... And I mean, it, it, again, this, none of this is black and white. It's not like if you're running a drop, you're right. But, but, that but is, they had, they had, they did have the conversation that's that, you know, what do you want to do, Jokic? And he said, 
that he, he wanted to do this, and they play much more aggressively. They're not, they aren't playing and switching, but, but he, he gets, gets out. He, he gets, gets out way further. out, and right. it kind of works. It, it, fortunately for him, he has Paul Millsap behind him on the back line or Jeremy <laughs> Grant, but those, you know, separate sort of thing. And Will Barton. Tori Craig is great at that, too. I mean, they, they, have the, they have the personnel to be able to run it, but the, the really interesting element to that is that they talked to Jokic, and he said this. Right. They did what Jokic said, and now they're a top-ten defense. Right. And so, I, you know, I, I, I asked Ryan about that in, in Denver, saying, you know, have you had that conversation with Cat? Right. And he was very short uh, with me, and he said, yes. And I was <laughs> like, okay, uh, okay, like, no, you know, so it's right. I, I actually, I don't know exactly what that so means. May, I think it means, maybe, I think it means it's an open conversation right now. Or, I mean, it fits into my great fantasy that there has been this standoff <laughs> and cat has begun to win. Um, which by the way, I mean, this is exactly the line of thinking I was trying to get from Malik Beasley that night after they oh, lost yeah, the he game. He was in a bad mood. But basically, all I wanted to ask him was, you were on a team that yeah. didn't go a certain way, and all of a sudden you improved your defense with a, a center that wasn't regarded as a good defensive center. And he said, how did you guys do it? <laughs> he said, he, F you, Britt, I don't want to talk about Denver. <laughs> and I got a little, my back got up, because I figured, I mean, this is a perfectly legitimate question. Yeah. Just give me something. And, and no, it wound no, up he, being like, I asked him three times, and he, <laughs> he told me to go screw myself three different ways. Uh, but it clearly hasn't affected your love for him. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah, I know. It is interesting. No, but Maybe it, I'm just a, a masochist at heart. It's, this stuff is important because just as it was for the Denver Nuggets, it is this is the question for the Timberwolves. I know, you know, Rosas has changed his tune to saying, you know, the net differential <laughs> right. rather than being top 10. But, but even in the whole net differential, you know, vein, right. the, you, you look at the Dallas Mavericks who are having what we, many people would call a really good year. Right. But they're going to be like the seventh seed in, in the West. And they're going to, while the being top offense. the number one offense in the right. NBA. And it's because right. they're defensively, they're actually behind the Timberwolves. Yeah. Because this they have Luka. Well, yeah, so it's, I, I think about it like that, and I was thinking about that because, you know, the next home game is, is against Dallas, and it's like, well, even in, there's like this dream fantasy that the Timberwolves have the best offense in the league next year, or even call it top three, right? Uh -huh. I mean, like, it seems to be that that's what they're shooting for, but if they're, you know, if they're the 18th, 19th in defense, like Let's Dallas is. they're 24th. Then you're not in the playoffs. We know what a number three uh, <laughs> offense and a number 24 defense does because they actually did. They won 47 games under Tom Thibodeau and made the playoffs. But it was, mm -hmm. uh, it was a situation where they were not ever going to go farther. Mm -hmm. you know? And everybody knew it was a disappointing. Actually, it was an eighth seed. They were a disappointing 47-win team. Isn't it just... Uh, so, I've only covered this team since the Thibodeau era. Right. And, oh my God, has it just been the, the dominant basketball narrative around this team is, what the hell do you do defensively? Right. And it's, it's, such, a, it's, such, a hard, it's such a hard thing to, um, you know, to dig into, right? Like, I think there were six, I can't remember their best ever ranking was 03-04 when they went to the Western seventh, Conference yeah. Final. It was seventh. Mm -hmm. And, 
I may, I think they made the top 10. That may have been the only time it in is. their 31-year history they made the yeah, top 10. I went 10. back and looked at them. Yeah. And Adelman got them in the top 15. I think it was 11th, maybe. And, and 12th another year. But he had guys like Karolinko and mm-hmm. Peck and, and some interesting you know, personnel there. Um, and Adelman was a very good coach. But you're right. This, and and Flip, Flip was never a defensive guy. I mean, and Ryan is not a defensive guy. That's pretty obvious. Whenever Ryan hasn't had a lot of help, and even when he has, to some extent, his defenses have not done well. Um, but it's, I get, I, I get. What I'm trying to get at is, it's this fundamental question that for you and can I, can you outscore people? Well, yeah, that, and how bad is this defense? Mm-hmm. How you know? Because we we. We try and use these metrics. We try and even use defensive rating, which is like a, a, a it's metric. Crude, but it, right. But it's just not, it's just not all that simple. And I right. mean, I, when we have these conversations or when I talk to anyone, we, we oversimplify it of like, oh, be switchy, be a drop team. It's not right. even that. Exactly. It's, like, it's, it's about defense is so about the team, as the cliche goes. But it's, it's, just, it's just so true. Denver didn't. Denver isn't good at defense now just because they got away from a drop scheme. Right. They, Denver is good at defense now because actually it turns out Nikola Jokic just isn't that bad at it. Right. And because he's, he's surrounded, really smart. He's really smart and has really good hands. Right. And he's surrounded by the perfect personnel for his weaknesses. Right. So it's really, it's, it's all of these things that, you know, this fishbowl that, that Rosas and Gupta and Saunders all need to look into it and at some point, you just got to kind of pick and choose your battles because there's so much to it. And whether or not Rosas's galaxy brain, which is, you know, obviously what he wants us to think and what he, I think, thinks about himself, quite frankly. Houston is trying to do something right now yep. that they're doing pretty well. And pretty galaxy brain shit. Pretty galaxy brain. And... You said they look more and more like Houston North about three weeks ago. That's becoming truer and truer as Houston is becoming successful at it. When you lose Von Ley and Jeng and Covington on purpose and get back, 33-year-old James Johnson is perhaps your only front court piece that you could regard as a good defender. Yeah. Then what you are gambling on is that you are going to mess with people schematically yep. uh, and try to that there aren't enough but, teams playing so, that so, way. So get into that mess with them. It, uh. means, it means you're just defensively, you're going to just muck it up. You're going to try. That, that's what this Rockets team's doing right now, exactly. right? They're throwing out different sort of, I mean, you want, it's really fun to watch a Rockets game now because <laughs> they, they change what they're doing constantly right. defensively. Right. And, and that's, that's kind of, you know, the idea. That's the, their path. They're that's going their path for to broke because it's as good as trying to play it straight with inferior defensive personnel. But, but that's what I'm saying. That is such a polarizing difference than what the Minnesota Timberwolves put in with David Vanterpool, which was exactly. screen exactly. rigidity. Yes. It, it's just, and I'm not even saying that was wrong. It's just, really, have we, we, we we've totally, like, switched everything inside out the pockets are turns I, I just don't know i well it I would th- be weird to me if they were like all right now we are going to do this i mean maybe the roster turned over and they just they waved the white flag i don't think they'd ever really admit to that because i'd be admitting fault but if they continue to play <laughs> basketball this way once the roster is healthy namely cat what the hell was the first 50 games for right other than just a failure 
What I would say is that the switching doesn't have to change. They can do the same switch schemes and throw in the five and run the same schemes. Mm-hmm. The question becomes whether or not, when, when you're doing it with James Johnson, it kind of works. When you're doing it with Nas Reed, it mm. kind of doesn't. Well, Nas, but I mean, wouldn't you Some say from what you've learned? Yeah. I, th- what I'm expecting is that they do, when Cat comes back, Cat starts doing what Nas has been doing, which is not necessarily part of that switching group. But, but, but it, kind of, but more, but less dogmatic than it was before. And what's a little bit worrisome, it could be if Nas wanted it to be. I get the impression that Nas does his best mm. to stay disciplined out there. Um, it, I don't know how. See, it this will is what be. I'm talking about. We don't know the answers, and it, oh. th- that's what makes defense so hard. Because you can ask a coach questions about offense, right. and they will answer them. And you can even ask them about defense. And actually, some some. Mm. coaches do some interesting things with that. I'm actually having heard Brian Gates at halftime the last four or five games. I, you know, talk about me being a Beasley fan. I want to kiss Brian Gates after every, <laughs> every one of these halftime things. Man, he, I'm telling I you mean, that. it was just phenomenal. He, Marnie's asking these relatively simple questions and he's turning them into like, all right, that's a nice thing to watch for. I'll watch for that, you know, and I'll watch for that. <laughs> yeah, where they, he was talking about when they're in foul trouble and needing to go to zone and all, all those that things. stuff, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and also what, you know, th- this is what we did wrong. You know, we were shading people a certain way. Yeah. Or, yeah. I mean, it's just, well, that, I mean, anyway, let's go like existential. Like, that, I think the NBA needs more of that. Yeah. Like, and and we don't have to go. How do you feel? Why did you? How were you able to get sixty points? That well, exactly. we were aggressive. You yeah, know? we don't got to go like <laughs> PhD level X's yeah. and O's. Like I, I can't even. I can't but keep I'll up. But I'll take a master's on it. You know sure. I, mean? I, I just think it's. I would like to be challenged. I would like to re, you know listen back to it and go. Okay, what does he mean by that? Yeah. You know I want. You know I, I want like to learn think, stuff. Wouldn't fans want that too? I, I don't know. I think and I'm not would. saying this is just I a Timberwolves thing. This is like a. This is like a Especially basketball. the diehard Wolves fans that are left now. Did I mean, you read? Give them some. Give them some science. Do you read uh, Zach Lowe's thing on Kobe? No, you didn't. Afterwards, oh, was, you, you. I know you had wanted nothing more to do with the Kobe stuff, but it is. It is really interesting. About I love him. Zach Lowe, and I'm intrigued by Kobe, but uh, I'm not a great consumer of stuff. Well, I mean, this was. <laughs> well, this was literally in that week of one million Kobe articles. Uh-huh. I. Well, it was not, good, huh? It was good, and, and it was it was Kobe. The article was about how Kobe was expressing concern about how the league was being covered ah. these days. And he had That's become he a Zach Lowe. That's did the detail stuff. The details. So this is pre-detail. He, uh, he invites Zach Lowe to his place in California. And they watch, like, uh, they watch a, a playoff game together and end up having... Kobe ha- breaks it down. Well, and, and not even just that. I mean, it was, it was, kind, of, it was kind of both. Like they, you know, he wanted to talk to Zach about where where the league is going in terms of like how much more can we do? Can we actually talk about basketball a little right. bit more than that? Please. I mean, it was, right. and it was kind of a shot at, you know, these first takes and all, all that sure. sort of things that have come to, you know, define so much. And of, the Barkley, Kenny Shaq crap. And, and, you know, and I, I don't even think that there's not a place for that. I, I think, I think there's a place for both. doesn't have to be the main ring in the three ring circus. Exactly. And, yeah, on this tangent, but I, I think like that basketball is simple enough 
with just only 10 people on the floor where I think we can get there, where we, we can have, a, we can have the, the analysts that are doing the game, you know, talk more about that stuff. We can talk about it afterwards. Whereas like football, I think it's just a little bit more dynamic, more moving pieces. Like but basketball, they, they really get into it in football too. They're, they, yeah, they they're a huge X's and O's. Group. That's a, that's a really good point. Tony Romo has been this whole like revolution. And, and a lot of, I mean, there, there you just got to have guys who are good at it. You just yeah. have to have guys that are good at articulating it. And I don't think it would be hard. It's just that they, they're interested in, you know, yeah. Um, but they're just, they're interested in the song and dance. It's just, these questions are fundamental. Going back to the right. the, the Timberwolves example, the Denver example of like, yes. how do you the get to be a better work? team? Exactly. It's and, and the answer is defense. And, and how do you get to be a better defense when you have a center that is being exposed? Right. It sounds like maybe you go to him and say, what do you think <laughs> mm-hmm. you can do well? All right, we will do this. If you don't do it well, can you commit to doing what we want to do now? Yeah, or just like have a, yeah, have a conversation about it. What what you get a buy-in? I mean, they obviously got Cat to buy-in on offense. That's what I don't get. I don't get why there does seem to be this, and and there is the other possibility, which has been pointed out to me, and I don't think it's a bad piece, a bad option to consider, is that he's Dirk Nowitzki. He's a great offensive player who, try as he might, just can't play defense very well who, and needs who, to be surrounded by people. Who was the, who was the center on the Dallas Mavericks won the— Tyson Chandler. Yep. Who is the perfect guy for that kind of stuff. Yep. A rim protector. Par excellence. And, by the way, if you're a great outside shooter— Somebody who will die for alley oops if you're a big coming out there. I mean, remember that was peak Tyson Chandler tap back days. Oh yeah, but but and then then there's another argument to be made there too that 2011 is very different than 2020. Right. You know, so I guess that's what I'm just saying. I'm not. I have opinions. I don't know if they're right, but but I think the conversation about those opinions is interesting until we see success. Or and movement. I also think that I am willing to base whatever my thinking is on reality. Give me as much reality. Mm-hmm. You know, the more reality I have, the more I understand what the wolves are trying to do, yep. the more I can figure out whether or not a, I think it's working and B um, how they are thinking in general. I mean, if they run their defense this way, or they run their offense this way or whatever, this is the kind of group they're trying to be. Right. That's why I love the top 10 offense and the top 10 defense as he walked in the door. I thought, all right, somebody's committed to defense. Love it, you know? <laughs> and, and Vanterpool, that's a Cadillac hire for the defense, you know? And, you know... Where are you at on Vanterpool? Well, I mean... I mean, I, he's your boy, but... I, I really... Well, I mean, I think I'm obviously in favor of more than most people. I don't get the sense that... Uh, he is regarded as well. He's regarded as, as put it this way, he's the plug-in for all the people who hate Ryan. Everybody says, oh, he should be the coach because mm-hmm. he's right there and they know he's highly regarded. But the people who are looking at the game seriously in terms of really breaking it down, I, I, I don't think are impressed with Vanderpool this year. I think he's in a tough position. Uh, again, I, you know, this is my own totally made up narrative. I have no idea no, whether it's true, but, uh, 
But when, when I spoke with him for about two hours for that big piece I did on him, he really did stress, and, and the guys who were totally vanterable acolytes like Shabazz Napier and Noah Vonley, both whom not coincidentally are gone, um, say he just wanted you to be in the right position. He said mm. that positioning itself is good defense. If you're where we tell you you're going to be, the ball will end up in your lap. You will be creating mm -hmm. turnovers on the basis of positioning. Now, Gorgie Jang, who played the defense really, really well, had the best counter to that, which is things don't happen like that on paper all the time. The thing about basketball is where you move the guys in the X's and O's, sometimes they don't move there, you know? And all of a sudden, we got we to gotta freelance a little bit. So it's a little bit of that mixed in. But what I would say is that um, Vanderpool had a certain way of running the defense and... The Timberwolves still are more highly ranked on defense than they've been in four years. Yeah, well, it, and, and I, that's, I think we got to draw a line in the sand of pre All Star break before everything. The flags, or white the flag, big, towel was thrown the, in, all that. They were seventeenth. I just so, so okay. let's give them credit for that. They were seventeenth and coming off of a year where they're twenty fourth. So there was and, improvement. And the biggest line you have to draw on the sand is top three defense for a month with Cat off the floor yep. and thirty defense. Dead last with Cat on the floor. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is your line. Yeah, and I think just the ins the interesting you know sub question of that is how much how much of the Cat part the thirtieth part is an indictment of Vanderpool. Exactly. And I, I, don't, I mean, I don't I don't know the answer. The thing the thing I've come to uh, not realize but hypothesize with with all these hirings is that David Vanterpool, Pablo Prigioni, and Ryan Saunders were first and foremost brought in to relate right. with players. And, and while Vanterpool was regarded as a good defensive coach in Portland, I think his being hired had just as much to do with the wizardry he performed on Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum right. as people. Right. And the ascension of those guys, I think he gets a ton of credit for and that. And guys like Will Barton, and I mean, there, yeah, who are there? there's always somebody who, uh, at the end of Wolves games, is always somebody from the other team that's that's coming over to him rather than vice versa. Yeah, and with I, their arms open. And I think that's a, I think that's an important attribute. I just think as we've as defense is such a dominant narrative of this, he has been so tied to the scheme and the success of the defense and all this and that. When, when I think if you had Rosa's on true serum, he would say that this is first and foremost about getting, relating to these guys, getting them to buy in to the important things about basketball. Not necessarily that, you know, Vanderpool needs to right. be an A plus right. coach at, at, a, at, at, as, as a defensive coordinator. It's about culture. Right. And, you know, and, and maybe that's something he develops into or when he does have the right group of people he could have and they could be the, a great defense. I don't know. I just, I think we got a little out of hand in the labeling of defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator, whatever Ryan's label was and all that when so much of this seems to have been about development from the start. Except that it is pretty clear, and both of them said this when I did the piece on Vanterpool, that Vanterpool is the alpha in terms of running the defense. And if you see on the sidelines, mm -hmm. when a defensive adjustment needs to be made, it's Vanterpool making it. And if it's 
a talk about defense in the huddle, Vanterpool's in the huddle first. Yep. I mean, I do think he's first among equals in terms of that. I agree. I, I, and but that doesn't necessarily, that doesn't re- reduce your point, which is that they're all talking together about things and um, I don't, they and all I don't hate can, that strategy. Can go, no, I agree. But to your greater point, um, if Vanterpool could not motivate Cat, mm-hmm. at least Cat is the enormous outlier in terms of this defense. And it's either a bad fit. It's, it, it is a bad fit. How is it a bad fit? Is it a bad fit schematically? Is it a bad fit personality-wise? Yep. Is it a bad fit uh, maybe, because of inflexibility? Um, or maybe Cat just doesn't fit with anybody. Yeah, which, that, which, I mean, I, I mean that's, that's catastrophizing a bit. But what, what's going to happen is Cat's going to get the benefit of the doubt in this sort of stuff. So Certainly. He's, I mean, if it comes down to Vanterpool or Cat. Well, that's what I'm. Especially, you know, at least for a couple of years. I mean, and, and this is getting like way ahead of ourselves. But I, I am not shocked at all if two years from now. And I've always said 2021 is the year where they really make the move, not next year, the year after that, that it's a completely new coaching staff, not even because they're bad coaches, but because simply because they didn't fit with Cat. Or Cat and Dilo were gone. I mean, Rosas. Yeah, that'd be wild. But yeah, it, no, I mean, it, everything's, everything's on the table. Rosas and, and they is put it all on the table. They're going they, to yes. mess around. Yeah. No. I mean, you know, he comes from an organization that just traded Chris Paul for Russell Westbrook. <laughs> I mean, you know, they are going to do things. And traded the, the seemingly impossible to move Andrew Wiggins for D'Angelo Russell. I mean, it's... And do you think they're even close to being done? I, I'll bet a lot they are not. Right. I, I mean, it, it's... It's in their blood. I mean, which you I totally don't agree have... With. I totally agree with that. You don't bring in a Gupta. You don't bring in the guys he's brought in. You don't concentrate on these G leaguers as much as he's concentrating mm-hmm. on them, as you said, to get those six million dollar for four yeah. year guys so that you can make bigger things happen. They believe in building exponentially, not linearly. And the first domino that signaled that was trading Dario Saric. Yes. They're, they're, I mean, there was a, a reality if they wanted to, you know, build linearly where they and it's not a full roster hall overhaul in the the past summer and they just kind of you know start piecing it together and over time do it but they're like no way that's just delaying the inevitable you know we're as soon as we can blow up the pieces we don't want here we're doing it and rosas was strutting a bit at city center yeah and when well, they he was said, strutting a bit when he said tank that too so I, it's like well that's okay i mean cuz that was <laughs> uh, in I mean, my view, that was that was a, a situation where he had. It's he had all the, okay. It's all his prerogative. But what I mean is, he had the goods that night. He could say tank that because we won the game. To say this is what we wanted to do. None of you guys have played yet. I mean, yeah, you got eight new guys, and this is. A, but to be able to say we're doing this and this and this. But then when he was asked. When did you think that you were going to blow up the roster? And he said May 1st. Yep. Interesting, because I heard him about three months later talking about how excited he was about this group of players. See, I mean, that's the problem with being a salesman. If you remember what people say, Mm -hmm. 
Don't tell me how excited you are about this group. And then two months later, get rid of 90% of them and say, <laughs> I was going to do it all along. Because what that says to me is, I don't believe you. And, and you know, and that's, I, I think if you or I were to be given a front office job, we'd be terrible at it. <laughs> Pro- namely because we wouldn't play the politics game. Well, and that and is also, a requirement of the position. We wouldn't have any guile. And also... <laughs> Um, I mean, it, it isn't even politics. It's just strategy. Yeah. If you're an open book. No, no, politics is like, I like being an open book. That means I'm lousy at strategy. (laughs) I mean, if I'm, if if I'm trying to maneuver somebody into something, I'm going to be very bad at it because I'm going to be very, very naked in terms of how I want to do the maneuvering. Mm -hmm. You know, so I get it. But by the same token, I don't like people who feed me a line. I don't like people who say, love this team. And then two months later, ah, why don't they get rid of them all? <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's, it's what I think is going to, first thing I thought of when I saw the tank, that thing was Daryl Morey. That's something Daryl <laughs> Morey would say, yeah. you know, and I, I it's, I, I know you're not a, like a, until a, he has his China. I <laughs> haven't yeah, heard well, much from Daryl Morey. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But, but Daryl Morey was so, has been so outspoken for the yes. past seven years and has kind of become a cult figure of the analytics movement because of that. Exactly. I mean, him, he's best buds with Bill Simmons, you know? Right, exactly. And, 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 you know, there's all of that, which may be whatever. I think that's coming. I think that's coming with Gerson in, in a, maybe a more uh, tactically sound sort of way of no uh-huh. China, right. all that sort of stuff. But like, he, he's got a... <laughs> He's got a whole bunch of different plans. And I he think, wants you know, that's to one strut. Yeah. And so and good for him, man. Like, I agree. I, I agree. I mean, and that, I don't begrudge him that at all. Strut about the right things. And strut go about ahead. the right things. And also, I can't even remember why I was bringing this up, but it was something we were talking about in terms of um, team and roster. Um, and, um, oh, I know what it was. Um, if Cat and D'Lo aren't working out after two years... He will get rid of them. He, I'm just, nobody's safe anywhere. That's what I was bringing up with right. the, and right. that, that's just the nature of the business, of this business but now I think, too. And I, I do find that somewhat refreshing, even as he talks about the family of the franchise, you know, mm-hmm. um, that, you know, there are families, but people can turn out to be black sheep in a hurry. <laughs> yeah. Well, what he, what he said, you know, publicly is, as long as they're a Timberwolf, they will be made, <laughs> they will be treated, you know, and what up? That, that's, that's all the job. Right, that's, right. that's, that's, that's all the job Sometimes is. Sometimes the lion is there and the thumb goes down. What can I do about it? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about DeAndre Russell's shot selection, but I do think it's just generally a little bit too premature. Um, I think, I think you've been itching to talk about, this is about the third or fourth time you wanted to bring him up. I think we needed to get, we need to get a little further in. I've told you what I like about him. What I still wait to see is whether or not, um, well, uh, here's an, actually another thing I like about him now that I think about it, that it is, he did, Jordan McLaughlin was the man, the last two possessions, and it didn't seem, he didn't seem pouty at all. And he that he was, seemed really with it. And he was cool with that in Brooklyn too. That is, he was. That is, that is something that I'm glad I, I'm realizing as we speak. That makes me like him a lot more. He, so it, it's just, it's just interesting, right? Like the, what was the narrative on 
on D'Angelo Russell last year, right? He's this guy who's become a pretty dynamic offensive player right. with pretty clear holes. Right. Doesn't, you know, doesn't get doesn't get to the rim. Which he's gotten to the rim a decent amount. Exactly. So I, I just as is true with most narratives, there's holes to be poked right. in them. Doesn't get to the rim and thus doesn't get to the free throw line. And and what he had instead found efficiency in was being a high-level mid-range shooter, and he had this floater game. That was like, Tanger Russell, man, he's He does the have best a great floater. floater game. But, okay, so, so here's the thing. He shot, he shot 22% of his, of his shots last season from floater range, which is a huge number. Yes, it is. And since he's been here, it's only 8%. Hmm. And it's only, it's only a handful of games. So, like, whatever, that might, that might change. Uh-huh. But, but now I, what I wonder, is this, like, the early steps of, you know, maximizing him analytically where they say he's taken 55% of his shots from three. And a lot of them are logo shots. A lot of them are logo shots. And in Brooklyn, when he was lauded as a three-point shooter, only 42% of his shots were threes. So, I mean... He's, he's bending to the system. I think the system is bending to him in a way that bends to the system, if, if that uh-huh. sort of makes sense. And it's... Well, where the system, I think, is bent to him is pace. I don't feel a sense of urgency when he's on the court at all. No he is cool as a cucumber for better and for worse. Right. I mean, you do really get the impression that um, I'm going to wait to see how things develop here, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And one of the, the really kind of, uh, when the Wolves broke out in their first three weeks of the season, it was delirious to, just to see Cat and all the cutters and, him bombing away. And Cat is a hot player. He's not a cool player. Cat is somebody who puts his passion on his sleeve out in the court. And he also, even when he's not moving around much, he he habitually looks like he's constantly on the twitch. You yeah. know what I mean? Somebody who is anxious to do something. Right. And, and D'Lo is the opposite of that. Um, so it'll be... It'll be interesting to see. One of the things that... To see how those synergize. Yeah, and also to see, um, or, you know, whether or not one has to bend a little bit to the other on that. I actually think it would be a good thing if Cat slowed down a little bit sometimes. Um, and probably a good thing if D'Angelo sped up sometimes. Yeah, what I really hope is that um, they find each other a lot. I... The one of the first, the only game they played actually is now. If you remember the fourth quarter, Cat didn't look like he really wanted to give the ball to D'Lo very much, <laughs> which I found. You know, he I think he he was really feeling like you know, hey, Jimmy Butler took this away from me. I'm not going to give you all the crunch time shots. You know, we need to we need to let people. It's know. just funny. They are maximized by in synergy, right? Yeah. Like that. That's that's just how that happens. And while D'Angelo Russell has been good now. Um, he I, could be much better. He won't I, have. Well, and I just don't face. think that this level of scoring that he's shown in five games is sustainable operating this independently as he has. Like I think he's a very talented independent. Just scorer. as Cat, his five or ten games was off the charts, and then yep. people began to figure it out. And Spolstra, who's a great coach, was figuring it out. You know, as recently as three quarters in. Right. You know what he wanted to do. Um, 40, 40 buckets for D'Lo, only seven are assisted. Uh-huh. That makes sense. Yeah. And I mean, I think that that's... I mean, that's kind of point guardish, you know. Kind of, yeah. That's general. I, I guess I don't even know what the, but, the but average balance is But I do think that um, 
I would like there to be a little higher percent just because I like the idea. I mean, Wancho and Beasley come from a, a very different kind of offense where um, the point guard obviously is not the main passer on the team, probably not even the second. I mean, Murray, you know, Millsap and a lot of other sure. guys can really dish. Uh, well, and Jokic gets to walk the ball. That's right. He literally. is the point guard. Yeah. Right? I mean, Cat, I, I refer to Cat's position as the quarterback of the offense. It's not mm-hmm. necessarily the point guard. No. He gets up there. And it's, it's the same thing I was talking about with James Johnson before. I like James Johnson as the quarterback. I don't like him as the He's point the guard. He's the option quarterback. Yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. A little funky. Yeah, yeah, right, right. <laughs> Probably the, better the wild cat. <laughs> Probably better in college. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it's just, uh, I'm glad they got a win the other night as it, it makes some of this seem relevant, you know? Yeah. Uh, it was, it was I mean, and it's really good for the team. I mean, yeah. my God, I, in my um, in my last column, I I've, I figured I'd look at the three games since the All Star break because they didn't have Cat. They had a lead for like six minutes and twenty seconds of those uh, what two hundred and forty four minutes or yeah. whatever it was. Didn't lead against Dallas. Led for like two minutes and fifteen seconds against Denver and like four minutes against Boston or something. Um, and none of, none of it in the second half. They never had a second half lead since the All Star break. So uh, all of a yeah, sudden, so you were like, uh, "How are they going to ever?" Win? I mean, and, it they, was, and they're it taking was the heat. Like you know, they're taking the measure of heat in the first quarter. Got off to a ten point lead early in the second. Yeah. Coughed it up. You figure, okay, uh, came back in the third. Coughed it up, down ten. All of a sudden in the fourth. Yep. And they won it. And they won it on grit. They won it with a little lineup that was playing great defense. <laughs> I mean, that was the crazy part of it is that um, it just happened that guys like Beasley and D'Lo became like G League guys. Became like, hey, you know, let's win the game. Kind of like and, how the group, when, when, when Cat was out, like that Milwaukee game. Right. It had that same vibe, like where they gave Milwaukee a run for their money. Exactly. On, you know, behind Shabazz Napier, Gorgie Jang, and Robert, right. you know, or yep. not even Robert. It was Keelan Martin had a really right. good game. Right. Brian Gates pointed that game out to me specifically with Keelan Martin. He goes, look up Chris Middleton's shooting. And from that game when Keelan Martin's guarding him. Five for 18. Yeah, I, hey, I like, got to okay. talk to Brian Gates. Yeah, he's. He'd yeah. be good. He, yeah, I mean, I don't know how much. Right. We, we rarely get to talk to assistant coaches, but it is. Uh, right. Those guys, man, they live it. Like, if we think we live it, like, we oh, don't. Oh, I know. <laughs> well, I, and, you know, this is my, let's have a disclaimer here. Um, I have my opinions and I rip people all the time, coaches and players or whatever. Mm-hmm. I never for the, for one moment, <laughs> think I know as much about basketball no, I, as, I, I, as the guys who live it. You know, I mean, let's face it, you know. It's, um, it's probably been one of the most like enlightening things for me since I've been around it is just how much all of these guys know you have a yeah. conversation and you know, if I'm just <laughs> a lot of the time, because we live it in our own way, right. When we're having a basketball conversation, you're like, Oh, I'm the smartest person in the room. Right. Well, that changes quick when I have Whenever a conversation a with or a Rose Rose or, <laughs> yeah, Brian Gates or whatever. You're right, like, right. Man, I'm, I'm, kindergarten level um it's and it, and it, but that's what's great you know having covered the team since 1990 i'm so used to it but now you soak it in you know i mean it's well, like there might have been a couple of those teams attitude. where you were smarter than the i chief. don't know man <laughs> the second you think so is <laughs> yeah, when you get your true. ass handed to you that's true that's true 
Um, all right, that's, uh, that's Britt Robson. He's at The Athletic, as always. Um, him and John filling that up with a 17 and 40, whatever sort of team. You guys are <laughs> staying on top of it. Uh, we'll have, you guys will have plenty more for the rest of the year. I know John is in Florida on this trip. Um, so check out what they have to offer there at The Athletic. Same thing with me and Charlie at uh, Zone Coverage. And get well, Charlie. Yeah, Charlie. Sorry to hear it. I was actually excited to have a three-way conversation. He was bummed because I don't know the last time the three of us all got it was together. All, it was like in the summer or something. Yeah. But was, uh, he's a smart guy. I really like Charlie. He's a, he is, he's a, he's a, he's a good guy. He's, he's, he's young like the G-leaguers on the, on the <laughs> Timberwolves, but he, he's smart. He's, I'm glad to be able to do this with the both of you guys. Uh, I'll be back on Monday. I don't know uh, who I'll be with. <laughs> We're kind of shifting around now that I was in Denver and now Britt's on Thursday. But we'll have something again on Thursday uh, or on Monday. So so look for that. Again, that's Britt at Britt Robson. I'm Dane at Dane Moore NBA. Until next time, peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah. Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you dancing like nobody else around, yeah.